Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for Same Race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Morena, New Zealand. Good morning to you, wherever you are. I hope uh, the weather is uh, coming right in your region. I can tell you, uh, Hawke's Bay, it's a blue sky day, which will uh, impress people with uh, racehorses who are about uh, 10 days away from the big Group 1 Livermore day. So hopefully that uh, blue sky will stay and the tracks will get back to where they should be at this time of the year. We have a massive show this morning, beginning with uh, the man of the moment, Ryan Fox, uh, out of the UK. Of course, uh, just won the Alfred Dunhill Lynx Championship one of the most prestigious uh, tournaments uh, on the DP Tour. Massive one. Absolutely fantastic. So we'll talk to Ryan Fox very shortly. Uh, then we'll open up the lines. And uh, we've got uh, Ricardo and I um, have got today um, a Mount Rushmore. And it's about uh, the greatest Kiwis of all time. We may have done this a couple of years ago. Uh, but um, I'd like to know the greatest Kiwis of your time, the four greatest Kiwis of all time. Bearing in mind, we have just selected a Kiwi side to go to the World Cup which is just around the corner. And on that subject, of course, after 11 o'clock, we'll be talking to the one, the only, the legend, Bluey McLennan, ex-Kiwis coach, about the makeup of that squad. He might have a, a, a verdict or two on Penrith and that NRL final as well. So uh, that will be Bluey after 11. Prior to that, we'll be talking to MJ Hurley. Now, we've had MJ Hurley on before. He's an NFL reporter, host of the Third Down Thursday podcast. Um, it's very interesting. as There are only four games into the season. Uh, but there's been some upsets and some individuals under question already. So we'll talk to MJ Hurley about that. Uh, I've got a panel just uh, after 10.30 this morning. Um, Aidan McLaughlin certainly on it. We're hoping Lavina Good might be able to be on it, but uh, she's got kids' sporting duties to attend to. So if not, uh, Ricardo, of course, will come off the bench there like uh, he so often does. Talk to Louis uh, and Brendan Popperwell before 11 o'clock. And, of course, we'll have a stump smithy for you and a Mount Rushmore in the last hour as well. Well, if you sat up the other night and watched the NRL Grand Final like me, uh, then uh, you probably thought that that might be the end of uh, your sport for the night, but not the case. As soon as you know that Ryan Fox is anywhere around the top of the leaderboard and the golf is beaming in from the, in the early hours of the morning from the UK, you just have to stay focused, unfortunately. Uh, I did, and uh, I managed to watch uh, Ryan Fox, in my opinion, have his greatest victory uh, ever in his uh, career. At just the age of 35, it's been so fantastic to this point. But it was a wonderful win. Not without its drama. Golf is like that. But uh, he's on the line now from uh, the UK, and we're so grateful that uh, he's going to give us some of his time uh, this morning, our time. Uh, Ryan, congratulations. I I think uh, perhaps... uh, your greatest win. You've had a 24 hours to think about it. Is that how you view it? 
Yeah, thanks, Millie. Yeah, I would definitely agree with you there. I mean, it doesn't get a whole lot bigger than uh, than winning a tournament at St Andrews. So obviously, the Open might be slightly bigger, but um, yeah, regardless, Dunhill Links is such an iconic event, and um, yeah, to, to to be the champion there this year is, is pretty amazing, to be honest. Well, I, I, I'm a great believer that there's fate in life and there's fate in sport as well. Um, you've won this uh, in front of your parents, uh, your your wife, uh, your, of course, your daughter as well. I mean. They live so far away. You've got this great affiliation with this tournament, uh, which you have with Shane Warne as well. Uh, he, he passed away, as we all know, um, not that long ago. Uh, and I just think there's a sense of something different about this for you. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, yeah, it's the first time my wife and little one have seen me win uh, on this tour. Um, you know, the, they travel a lot, but they missed the, the other two. So that's, that's pretty cool to have them there. Mum and Dad travelled up from New Zealand and saw... Three, two weeks of non-golf or miss cut, and then um, you know obviously this. So that was that was pretty special to have them there. And then you know obviously Warney, he was my partner for this event. I think the last four, maybe five years, um, and you know to to not have him there this year was was very sad. You know we had a, we had a lot of fun at this event, and you know to be able to call someone like that a mate was was pretty special. Someone I idolised growing up, bowling a little bit of leg spin and. Um, yeah, my last memory of him was at this tournament last year. Um, yeah, we finished second in the team event, and he was absolutely buzzing. And as Warney was at this event, very very hungover on Sunday. Um, but that's just, <laughs> you know, that was just that was that was just that was just him. And um, you know, I would love to be able to share the experience of of leading and and coming down the stretch and winning the tournament with him this year. You know, he being the competitor he was, he absolutely loved that environment and um, yeah, there was definitely some sadness there this year but as you said, probably probably a little bit of fate there as well, you know, I felt like he was he was there with me and I had a little bit of luck especially on Sunday and you know maybe maybe he was down he was looking down on, on it with a with a vodka Red Bull and, and maybe kicking a couple <laughs> of balls the right direction for me he would have uh, he would have been watching. I, I I would venture to say, uh, Ryan, that you woke up um, yesterday morning or this morning your time in better shape than you perhaps would have been if you were celebrating with uh, Shane Warne. Ah uh, yes, yes. I don't think I would have actually woken up if Warne was there. I think I just would have stayed awake, knowing knowing yeah. him. But it was actually it was very uh, it was very quiet last night. Uh, to be honest. Um, yeah, it was just had a couple of drinks, um, had a very cool experience at one of the pubs in St Andrews, uh, Grey Fries, and obviously there's a lot of golf history in in the whole town, and you know that's a pub that's you know, very much into its golf, and I got to pour a pint and got a standing ovation from the from the whole pub while we were there for dinner, so that was that was that was very cool. Um, but yeah, it was uh, it was definitely a lot different than the celebration for earlier in the year at Ras Al Khaimah, but. Um, yeah, it's still still a good one, nonetheless. Right, let's uh, look at uh, some of the um, things that happened uh, on that last round. Uh, you you started the day four shots behind uh, leader Richard Mansell, but uh, I think on the second or third hole he double bogeyed, and all of a sudden uh, you're very close to the top of the leaderboard. What were you what were you thinking standing on the first? Uh, to be honest, I wasn't thinking about much. I just it's. You know, around St Andrews, there's always a score out there. You just got to get away with a few shots. Um, you know, it's a funny golf course to play. It's not. You can make a lot of 
birdies around there, but you're also playing away from making a big mistake because there's so much room if you hit one in one of the bunkers or you hit one out of bounds, which is can be easy enough to do depending on the wind direction. You feel like a bit of a muppet. So um, while you want to be aggressive, you don't want to make a big mistake. So it's a little bit of that, but knowing you have to shoot a low score, and I kind of had nothing to lose yesterday, to be honest. Um, you know, Richard being four in front, it's... It's a, and I know what that feeling's like. It's an uncomfortable position, but you know, you know, it's in your hands. And um, I had to do something pretty special, and or he had to help me out. And he, he, he sort of did the latter. He looked a bit uncomfortable all day, and um, you know, you know, I was lucky enough to sort of be able to take advantage of that. Uh, look, I know Ryan Fox, the golfer, is not a big fan of slow play. In fact, uh, one of the commentators said yesterday, "You're probably one of the quickest players uh, on the DP Tour." Um, if not in world golf. Uh, so yesterday you play in this format, of course, where you have uh, just not the three professionals, but you have amateur partners as well. Not necessarily all uh, have partners at that stage of the tournament. Some have been knocked out as such. But uh, in terms of the general flow of the game, it's not your cup of tea in that respect, unless you're playing with a character like a guy like Shane Warne. Yesterday at crucial stages, it was slow. Uh, you can see it was just getting to you a wee bit. Yeah, it definitely got me a little bit through the middle of the round. Um, I felt like we were a bit behind early, which I actually don't mind because I, I never feel under pressure if you've got to catch up. And you know, I, I, early on, I, it was in, I was in great rhythm, and then we kind of wasted a long time on the eighth tee, and I just sort of lost focus a little bit and had a had a couple of average shots. But you know, thankfully the, the putter saved me a little bit through there. On, I made a nice birdie on nine, and um, then sort of got it back a little bit again. Um, you know, 10, 11, 12, hit some great shots there and then we got quite behind on 12 um, with Richard sort of having a, a drop in there and hitting a couple of shots off the tee and um, I just sort of, again, lost my rhythm a little bit coming down the, the back nine and, yeah, as I said before, it's kind of a golf course. You're, you're playing to not make a big mistake and with a lead, you know, there's there's some places to make a big mistake on that back nine. You can hit it out of bounds on 14, 16, 17 and 18, easy enough. I mean, Alex Noren tried really hard on 18 to do that in regulation, and I tried pretty hard on 16 to do it as well. So it's, yeah, you, I sort of play to not make mistakes coming down those last few holes with the lead, which is probably not the right thing to do, but it's it's kind of really hard not to on a golf course like that when you know you've got the world left and you just can't hit it right. On 17, which of course is uh, the road hole uh, with the, the, the famous bunker, you, you pulled it left. Um, so you're looking at the leaderboard. I, I would imagine uh, you knew exactly where you were. Uh, your mindset going into that, and then of course you, you hit probably um, a disappointing chip, I think, to, to say the least, of, with your third. Um, what, what's going through your mind at this point uh, with the crowd so close to you there? Yeah, I mean, 17's a really uncomfortable tee shot. I, I don't know if TV gives a good perspective on it, but you've got to hit it so close to the hotel. And again, the penalty for missing it's really bad. And I, I knew where I stood. I knew I had a decent... I, I think I was three shots on that lead, on that tee. And I think Callum Shinkwin birdied at, uh, 18 to make it a two-shot lead. So you know, it's basically just don't make a big mistake. And you know, luckily in the, in the Dunnell links, you know left's okay. There's not a lot of rough left. Generally, they, they make it a bit nicer for the Emmys that week. Um, and so you know, I'm standing there, just get it left, get it somewhere up near the front of the green, and then, you know, at worst case, make five. And through two shots, I've done a pretty good job of that, and then I, I just made a silly decision 
I sort of was in between wanting to chip it, wanting to putt it, and um, you know didn't commit to the chip shot I, I hit and, and hit a bad one, and then all of a sudden I've got you know 75 feet or whatever whatever it is for par, and mm. um, you know I made a really nice two putt there. But all, you know all going through my head is just at least make a bogey here, and you know you've got a you know you've you've got a one shot lead going down 18, and um, it's, you know thankfully 18 is not the most difficult hole in the world. Um, you just again not trying to hit it right, and thank, thankfully Alex didn't hold a 65 footer across the green on 18. Like it looked very good for a long time from standing side on, and um, you know thankfully I had the luck on my side this time, and you know, it was a bit of relief to know I had a sort of 20 foot two putt to, to win the tournament. But it was a it was a pretty nervy last few holes, and um, I was yeah very very relieved at the end to, to have got the job done. It was a, a, a quite an interesting last uh, 20 minutes because those that have followed you will know um, in a couple of tournaments, uh, Russell Knox and Victor Perez have knocked uh, down putts from around the other side of the world to, to stop you. And all of a sudden, uh, Noren stands up there, hits it out of bounds, it bounces back, and he's got an eagle putt to perhaps tie you. I mean, freakish. Uh, I just wondered, did you have a, a, a wee recollection there or were you too focused on what you had to do? Uh, to be honest, I didn't. I, I wasn't even thinking about it that much. Uh, I was trying to think about what I was trying to do, which is probably a good thing. And it didn't. It almost didn't click in my head that if Noren had held that putt, he would have tied me. And then I, when it was rolling up short, I was going, "Oh no, here we go. Here we go again." Uh, I can't. I kind of mm. clicked sort of halfway along that putt when it looked good. And I, was, you know, thankfully it couldn't happen again. I mean, I. I don't know how many how many footage of putts people have hold against me in playoffs, but it's it's a loss. And um, you know, this time the luck was on my side in that regard. And you know, it was nice to just roll my one up pretty close and make it a pretty easy tap in for the win. Okay, um, just before we finish on um, what happened, what a cool photo on the Swalkin Bridge. What a cool! I mean, not many people in the world have a family photo like that to stick on the mantelpiece. No, that's a that's a pretty good one for the pool room. That to be fair, and um, it was it was cool to share the whole experience with with the family. And um, yeah, that's certainly certainly one we'll all remember for a very long time. Can I just ask you? Um, we all know Grant Fox, the rugby player. We know him the selector. We know him the rugby analyst as such. What about the the golf watcher and his reaction at the end of it? I saw the the very quick embrace as you went to go and sign your card, etc. But um, tell us about his reaction. To be honest, it was it, it all becomes a lure for me after I hold that last part. I was so focused on what I was trying to do, and then the brain just completely switched off. To be honest, so that last the hour after winning just is a blur. But I know Dad's not a good watcher. I know that he's um, he's always someone that that likes control, and being a spectator means no control. Um, so. Yeah, I think he. I think it can be a little bit difficult to walk around with in that regard. But he absolutely loves it, and obviously he just wants the best. But you know, it's 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 definitely stressful for him. But he was he was obviously very very happy, and Mum it was great to have him and Mum there supporting. And you know, as I said, it'd been a tough tough little stretch with mm-hmm. them, with you know lost bags and injuries and and you know missing weekends and stuff like that. So to, to be able to share that with them was was just awesome. I've had a text in, Ryan, to just say, can you ask Ryan if he got his clubs back or were you using a new set? So I got them back on Thursday night. Um, so I ended up, but ironically, I ended up using a new set anyway as Strixon bought out. 
a new set of irons this week. So I had them in the bag, but had an old driver, an old three, with an old two iron in the bag. Um, but the biggest thing for me was having orthotics and shoes and everything like that. All the little stuff that you don't think matters too much, but actually ends up being pretty important. So I was very happy to get that back and definitely made a difference over the weekend. Right, now Ryan, uh, um, the other thing that has happened, of, of course you weren't so many points that your world ranking now is uh, up to 25, which is absolutely astonishing when you think of the quality of golf around the world. Does that mean, does that alter you, your thinking in terms of resetting your golf calendar? Uh, not so much for this year, but it certainly makes a difference for next year. Um, you know, it's, it's more than likely the Masters is a lock. Um, you know, that, that's top 50 by the end of the year, so it'd be pretty hard for me to drop out of out of that by by 31st of December. And it also brings in a lot of the big events in America early next year. You know, the the invitational events that take top 50 in the world. Um, you know, again, I, I've got a lot of opportunity still at the end of the year, and it would be pretty hard to drop out of the top 50 um, by that time next year. So it definitely changes the schedule a lot for, for early next year. But, um, you know, that'll be all, you know, pretty exciting to, to get a chance to play in, in some of those big events. Well, Augusta is uh, the only major that you have not participated in as such, Ryan. So, I mean, that is that is such a special event as such uh, and uh, you're going to be rubbing shoulders and playing alongside you'll be paired with some great players there with some great history is that something that's always been a goal i mean from well before i turned professional you know the masters was the event that i love watching um you know especially the monday morning new zealand time watch that last round so yeah, to get a chance to play there is obviously it's not guaranteed as yet i'm looking forward I'm inviting the mail hopefully later on this year, but um, you know, to get a chance to play there will just be amazing. And um, as I said, certainly one that's been on the goals list for a long time. Probably not that realistic for a little while, but um, yeah, this year's made it a bit bit more real. And last week certainly helped that out a lot. Right, um, in the immediate future, of course, you've uh, got the end of year uh, tour events to come up uh, as part of the DP tour. I imagine um, a, a little bit of fishing uh, if you can manage it as well. And um, uh, how does the next month pan out for you? Pretty busy to be honest. Um, I, I've got a week off this week, and then we've got two weeks back to back in Spain, one in Mallorca, one at Valderrama. Uh, then a couple of weeks off, then one in South Africa, one in Dubai, and then two in Aussie to finish the year for me. So I certainly be hoping to get a little bit of fishing in at some point, whether that's overseas or whether that's just you know, trying to get a to do some fishing in the UK or whatever. I'd love to do that, but um, yeah, spend some time with the family as well and enjoy um, the last little bit of good weather here before it <laughs> turns cold and wet. Well, uh, Ryan, I uh, appreciate you being in hot, hot demand. We're so grateful you gave us uh, some of your time uh, this morning, our time. Uh, we loved it, mate. It's just a, an amazing achievement. Um, uh, people are talking about it around New Zealand, and so they damn well should too. It, it's just uh, fantastic to win such a prestigious event. Congratulations again. Say hello to the family for us, and um, enjoy. Enjoy it. Continue to enjoy it, mate. It was wonderful. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Smithy, and just thanks to everyone at home. The support's been amazing. Cheers, Ryan. Have a, a, a terrific time over there, and stay safe. Thank you. Uh, Ryan Fox there, folks, uh, out of the UK. Uh, the uh, new champion of the Alfred, Alfred Dunhill Lynx Championship.
Uh, it is such, for me, such a terrific story. It really is. Um, you know, that is that in his event, uh, not just the, it is, it's a highly focused event because it's not just the golfers that play there, it's the, it's the famous people that play there. And that's why it attracts so much attention and that's why it's such a prestigious thing to win. Um, but to think that he finished second last year in the team's event with, um, uh, with Shane Warne, they were great mates. Uh, and Warney goes and passes away like he did, and then uh, you know you win it, you win it the same year that he goes. It's just such a, a staggering thing to think that uh, fate would have you like that because he would have been his partner, uh, and all he would have been his partner again. And Shane Warne, I know, he it was one of the things in his life, and his life is a busy life. You think about busy lives. He had the ring around that uh, date and um, at uh, St Andrews and those other courses. Um, every year, that's one of the first things he put on the calendar. I will be playing in the Alfred Dunhill, and I will be playing with Ryan Fox. It is such an uh, emotion-filled uh, filled story, to be fair. So great to hear those uh, thoughts, uh, not so much tactically from Ryan, but uh, the mental side of things, because golf is just that. You conquer those, and you're, uh, I won't say halfway there, but you're on the way. Uh, and he's able to do that now. And every time he wins and every time he gets through a tight situation... You know that when it comes in a major, and it will, he's going to be there or thereabouts. Terrific story. 9.23 here on SENZ. All winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Yeah, don't forget our Mount Rushmore today, and we'd love you to take part in it, or even phone us uh, and tell us why. 0800 150811. We're opening the lines after 9.30. Uh, you'll be in the draw for a chemist warehouse voucher to the value of $50. Uh, I'd love to hear your impressions on the Kiwi team, if you like, um, or your Mount Rushmore, your four greatest Kiwi players. Um, and, and, of course, Ryan Fox, what about where does that rate for you? Golf fans, uh, give us a call. love to hear your thoughts on uh, um, Ryan Fox's achievements there. And where it, uh, It's great, always great to uh, when you're following the sport to have uh, one guy who's in the reckoning when it comes to those massive world events. Uh, and Ryan Fox has given us that opportunity now. Uh, wherever in the next uh, 12, 14, 24 months uh, Ryan Fox is in contention, we shall all be taking the ride with him, which is uh, phenomenal. To see him teeing it up at Augusta in April next year is such a mouth-watering prospect. I promise you that, because he's a big hitter, and uh, he'll take some of those challenges on, those par fives, etc., um, with relish. It will be brilliant. So we'd love to hear from you. Um, that includes uh, the golf fans, the league fans, uh, whatever you like. Uh, we've got a text in already uh, to say, hey, Smithy, great interview with Ryan Fox. Well, he is. He's a, a terrific interview for, uh, uh, you know, he's a very balanced man. He's got everything uh, in order. We are so lucky in New Zealand to have the majority of our elite athletes to be so approachable, personable, human, and still remain on the same level as the majority of us. Obviously, there's the exceptions, but a lot still so grounded and humble. And such a good point. Really is such a good point. Uh, question also, how did Foxy and Warney end up being partners at the Dunhill? I don't know. I'll find out. I'll, I'll do a bit of homework there, and, and uh, it'll be uh, a cricket-type connection. Someone's put them together. Um, you know, uh, Warney, whilst he knew a bit about rugby, he was not into rugby. He was an out-and-out rules guy, Aussie rules, so um, it won't be through that. But uh, I'll find out. There's a lot of connections in top sport. And it's amazing how the web comes together. Um, but uh, that would be a good good thing to find out, see what we can do there. 9.30 here on SENZ. Uh, we'll take a news break, uh, and when we come back, your calls, please. 0800 150 811.
Talkback Time with Smithy. Brought to you by Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. Call now for a chance to win today's $50 Chemist Warehouse voucher. Who's first, mate? 0800 150 811. 9.32 and uh, just asking who's first this morning because we've uh, got calls coming in which is uh, fantastic and uh, Brian from Hibiscus Coast. Brian, good morning to you. Hello Ian. Yes, I've known the family for quite some time. Um, Merv- Walter Mervyn Wallace, who you know a bit about, uh, famous mm, uh, cricketer. Um, Ryan's grandfather. Now Ryan his physique and that takes after uh, Mervyn Wallace because Mervyn was a shortish, stocky man, quite powerful, and whereas, you know, Grant's uh, quite uh, small and Adele. And um, Mervyn, I'm sure, as well as it's been reported, Warney might have been on uh, Ryan's shoulder. I'm sure there was some of Mervyn Wallace's watching him as well, because Mervyn was a tenacious cricketer uh, and a great guy, humble guy, and that's where Ryan probably, uh, Ian, is getting his um, humbleness, if I may say that, uh, from Mervyn Wallace. A great guy and uh, a wonderful chap to talk to. He go into his shop, Wallace and Webb, in Auckland, and he would just take time out of his day and talk to you about cricket or in my case table tennis or something like that and it was great and I'm sure a lot of that is coming through to Ryan and uh, I, I can't think of anything else more to say that what a wonderful performance and we're going to see a lot more of Ryan in the future. Well, I, I think the the only thing that, that's holding him up, or was holding him up when it came to the very big events, Brian, was the fact that someone would come along and nobble him. I mean, he, he was, he's been in contention to win the Irish Open, um, I think the Italian Open, and uh, two players, in, as he said, have sunk putts from around the world, yards of yeah, putts yeah. in playoffs that have just nailed him. And here's a situation where, no, he came, on the, he came through on the right side of it, and uh, we know he can hit the ball a long way, Brian, which gives oh, him a great yeah. advantage on most golf courses these days. And just that belief that he can win now, I, I think really uh, it could be quite a special next four or five years for him. Oh, it's going to be great watching. Thank you, Ian. Thank you, Brian. Thank you so much uh, for your call and your knowledge there of uh, Merv Wallace. Yes, when I was um, a young lad, Merv Wallace was a cricketing, um, a cricketing star. In those days, of course, and he had that sports shop, Wallace and Webb, where you could go and get cricket bats, etc., or all sporting equipment. And uh, yeah, he was. Uh, I remember Merv Wallace. I can see him right now. As uh, I look back on those days, and a uh, great tri- contributor. And then, of course, um, Grant, uh, Grant Fox, you know, and uh, contributed a hell of a lot more in rugby than Grant during his playing years and afterwards as well. So it is a great. It's a great sporting dynasty, actually. It is a terrific sporting dynasty. And and aren't New Zealanders, aren't we? So lucky, aren't we? So lucky that uh, we have uh, these families that produce sport so often. Terrific, absolutely terrific. Neville from Dunedin. Now, Neville from Dunedin, I know for a fact you will have plenty to talk about in terms of Ryan Fox's win and other golf. Well, <laughs> that was wonderful um, to watch, Ryan. I'm not. I was watching through to the 14th hole before I turned it off and watched the last four holes in the morning. Um, 
But Ryan is a special person as well as a special golfer, as you've been saying. I mean, he, he probably would have been quite frustrated because not only was Mansell struggling, but um, Alex Noren would be frustrating as well, I think, because he, he tends to back off his shots, you know, like one or two others do constantly. And to watch that sort of thing would frustrate a golfer who just likes to get on with it. Um, but that was a big win, but it was more than a big win. That was the biggest win for New Zealand golfer since Michael Campbell winning the um, US Open. You know, it's bigger than bigger than big, really. Um, And it was nearly a night never to forget because we had Lydia who hit the front briefly. We also had Daniel Hillier who hit the front. Briefly, but in each case, um, the, the golfers who won the tournaments did play the best golf in the world. So it's been quite a weekend um, when you think about it. And we look ahead to the future. It's going to be exciting next year with, um, with uh, Fox having a companion on the European tour. Um, well, yeah, Daniel, Daniel Hillier, of course, will be his, his companion there. So we're going to have two contenders there. Yeah. He's going to play uh, quite a bit in America because he gets exemptions now and not just the Masters but other tournaments, which uh, winning the Dunhill gives you access to. So, um, And also we've still got Danny Lee there chugging away in the background and you just never know with Danny Lee when he might find a purple yeah. patch. So, uh, And Lydia, of course, as you say. So we are... Yeah. We're very lucky, Neville, at this, this point in our yeah. um, our golf-watching careers, aren't we? We're, we're very fortunate. It's a golden age of golf for us at the moment. I mean, you've got Steve Elker there. Um, I can't remember a time when we had so many golfers um, pushing their way. And we've got Momoka Kabori, who's in a position to be on the Women's European Tour uh, as mm. well. And Amelia Garvey over in America is... is not that far away from making the LPGA Tour, but she just isn't quite knowing that she's got one tournament left. Um, if she could somehow get a top two, she might sneak in. But, uh, yeah, they're exciting times. And, and just but hearing I mean, that news on, yeah. Paul Cole, yeah. Paul Cole, that's brilliant. Oh, um, brilliant. Swath was my sport many years ago, and uh, the Cole family are legends in the world of squash. Not a bad name in West Coast either, I can promise you that, the cold name. Uh, here's the thing. Uh, I can tell you, uh, Neville, listening tomorrow, because we're doing our best to get hold of uh, Grant Moorhead because uh, it's oh, the 30th anniversary, 30th anniversary, Neville, of us winning the Eisenhower tomorrow. So mark that down oh. and we'll, have a ch- yeah. we'll, we'll reminisce those days for you, which you re- will remember so well too. Thanks for your call, Neville. Yep. Thank you so much. Uh, we'll move on and uh, just pop round the corner to you, to Graham in Dunedin. G'day, Graham. Good morning, sir. Now, I remember Merv Wallace when I was a schoolboy here in Dunedin uh, playing for Auckland, a very attractive batsman. He was in that 49 team that went to England, our greatest batting team ever. And there were four there who were before the war in the 37 team, Walter Hadley, Jack Ball Cowie and Eric Tyndall. Now, in that 1947 tour, um, 
49 tour, Merv got over 900 runs in May, and uh, uh, he uh, was one of uh, eight batsmen who scored over 1,000 runs, and eight of them got centuries. As I said, it was probably our uh, greatest uh, batting team ever. And we needed another fast bowler to back up Cowie, and we may have beaten England in those days for the first time. But I remember going into Merv's shop. It was in Wellesley Street, and then he shifted it to uh, the top of Khyber Pass, and I used to get him to do all our repairs for St. Peter's College, where I was the, the sportsmaster there. And he had many, many good uh, uh, yarns. And Merv's greatest... Uh, selection uh, was as he said Bruce Taylor who scored a century and took five wickets in his first test in India nursed at the other end by Bert Sucker but uh, no I I, I watched uh, uh, I say after um, uh, Bert Sutcliffe, Wallace was the most attractive batsman in New Zealand as I remember in those days a good man and his daughter married uh, as you know uh, yeah, Grant Fox. Okay. Uh, that's all I have to say. Have a good day. Graham, oh, thank you very much for your recollections. Isn't it amazing? You, you interview someone, and uh, that's what we talk about family dynasties. And we <clears throat> we go back a couple of generations and start talking about uh, Grandfather Merv, yes, uh, who's uh, father, of course, to Adele, uh, Grant's wife. So um, let's go to uh, Jeff. Jeff, the ref from uh, Cromwell. Going to talk a bit of golf, Jeff? Yeah, yeah, I won't mention uh, how stuff the target were against Canterbury, so I'll move on, I'll move on. We'll, we'll talk about uh, that awesome win by Foxy. I've, I mean, I watched, been a, you know, ex-drinks, been in the game 40 years, and I've seen a lot of young potential golfers, but they just, uh, obviously, they just haven't got the temperament. You see them throwing clubs as school kids, and they just haven't got the temperament, but obviously Foxy's got that always had that temperament like his old man to come through in those tight moments because I know I watched him against Perez there in that playoff there uh, a month ago where you know these guys were sinking 20, 30, 40 putts in playoffs against Foxy so it's bloody fantastic that he come through there and you know and held it together you know and it's another proud Kiwi moment and uh, yeah I think he'll just go on you know, he's just got the right temperament you know um Another year. And I think, you know, the, the green keepers too throughout New Zealand have uh, lifted the golf course standard, you know, and, you know. So I think that has helped our golfers, like the Coes and the, the Rhymes, etc., too. You know, so there's a combination between the green keepers and our young golfers coming through. Um, the standard just, you know, we seem to get, there seems to be more and more of them, Smother, you know. Uh-uh. Yeah, Jeff, I think golf is going through, or has been for quite some time, uh, a really good uh, period in its history uh, domestically in New Zealand because um, you, only, you only have to see the number of people who travel in golfing groups to play around the country. Um, you only have to, um, to, to try and book golf tees at certain courses around the country to know how much in demand some of these facilities are, uh, and that is because people just genuinely want to play the game. Um, and it doesn't matter whether it's uh, in this country or perhaps if you're going to go on a golfing trip to Australia, try and get on some of those sandbelt courses or up into the Gold Coast, the Sunshine Coast, the demand for tea times, etc., is, is at a premium. Uh, and that is because people want to play. And one of the reasons people want to play 
is it's a healthy sport. It's uh, generally a very safe sport. Um, and it goes against um, some of the worries that people have about physical injuries these days in our sports, which is such a, a high-profile thing that people talk about. Uh, golf doesn't have that. Um, there's been freak accidents, of course, but not in the nature that you, you know we're talking about. And the other aspect of, of it is, as well as because of people like Lydia Ko, uh, who have inspired so many young girls to play golf and turn them into great women golfers. And now Michael Campbell's, the Greg Turner's, the Bob Charles going back. Um, you know, uh, and now the Ryan Foxes of the world that absolutely inspire Phil Tatarangi. Um, you know, what the, he and Michael Campbell have done to, to Māori people wanting to play golf, um, you know, and, and inspire them as well. Uh, it's it's a great story, golf, actually, and um, it's not an elite sport. People tend to think, they look at it and think, well, it's an elitist type. So it's not. It is not an elite sport. It's a great sport because anyone can have a damn go at it. And there are public courses, there are driving ranges there are wherever you want to go there's a chance for you just to have a crack um and you know more accessible than than most sports actually and and just see if you like it and uh if you hit one or two really well or you 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 know you you fluke uh, some wonderful shots as a beginner uh you get the bug and they people they talk about the golf bug it is a thing it is a thing don't you worry about that 946 thank you so much for your calls this morning everyone on the golf um, and uh, fully deserving too uh, on the back of Ryan Fox's wonderful performance. It is 9.46 here on SENZ. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. New texts have come in. Smithy, great family, the Wallaces, built on solid values, which uh, Ryan displays in spades. Merv sold me my first cricket bat, and I was lucky enough to be coached by Ryan's uncle, Greg Wallace. Good on you, JD. Um, Anthony said, oh, Smithy, I woke up, what's the last six holes? Great effort on a historical golf course. Foxy deserves it. Uh, Mark has come in and said, uh, oh, Smithy, what a great ambassador Foxy is for our country. So polite and respectful, unlike those Penrith, Penrith Panthers. That's Mark. You still can't get over that referee, I think, Mark. Um, and uh, there's an un- the other one that we got in, uh, in the breakfast show, but I've keeping, been keeping an eye on it, Ricardo. Uh, I got less than a win at 4-0, put 50 on them at 31s. Please slow down, says Brad Well. What's happened? Uh, Leicester have won 4 0. Final whistle has just gone, Smithy, and uh, Brad will be laughing. I think uh, anybody that knows Brad bears are on Brad this week. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Well, that's a turnaround win for them, though, isn't it? All honesty. Yeah, it is. Yeah, they've, they've really been struggling. I mean, they've been bottom of the Premier League for a few weeks now, and they shouldn't really be there with the talent that they've got. You know, uh, James Madison uh, has been an absolute star today. He scored two in the first half. He set up the others as well. Um, and that's kind of what you expect from Leicester. You know, they've um, uh, unearthed a, a great striker, too, in Pats and Ducker. He's kind of coming in and replacing Vardy, although Vardy's still there, and they've got the likes of Harvey Barnes and Yuri Tillemans, the Belgian international. So still got a very, very good side. Uh, and that win takes them off the bottom of the Premier League uh, only to be replaced by the team they just beat. <laughs> Nottingham Forest have got prob- problems now. So uh, that leaves Wolves with six points, Leicester with four points, Nottingham Forest with four points, Palace with six points. So they're far from uh, in great shape too. West Ham with seven and Southampton with seven. They are the bottom six teams in the EPL as we speak. We shall have a multi for you very shortly, just prior to 10 o'clock, and then after that, uh, we'll start uh, talking a little bit of NFL. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. 
Smithy's Multi. Know when to walk away and know when to run. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. Well, no good yesterday because I backed uh, Tom Brady against uh, Patrick Mahone. So they lost uh, 41-31. The Buccaneers will be talking more NFL uh, after 10 o'clock. But I have included uh, today's NFL game in my multi. And that is the 49ers, San Francisco 49ers, to beat the LA Rams at $1.74. There's slight favourites there. Interesting. Uh, St. Louis Cardinals to beat uh, the Pittsburgh Pirates in the Major League Baseball this afternoon at $1.55. Uh, Shopaloff to beat Johnson in uh, tennis at $1.25. And in the same tournament, uh, Francis Tiafo uh, to beat Zapata Morales at $1.26. So a couple of tennis games at pretty short odds there. Early in the week, you get uh, some of those. And if you combine them all up, uh, sometimes you can do okay. So that's uh, the 49ers into the cards and to Shopaloff into TFO for $4.25 today being Tuesday. Another text is coming from Dan. I had heard that the DP Tour and the PGA Tour had combined to combat Live Golf with a carrot that the top 10 on the TP Tour would be eligible for a PGA Tour card. Um, I heard something about that too, Dan. I'm, I'm not quite sure. I'll, I'll try and do some homework on that. Uh, do you think that uh, Foxy would go full-time on the PGA to test his skills with the best in the world? I don't think he needs to, uh, to be perfectly honest. I think he's done quite nicely where he is. He's, he's rated that. But it, as he said in the, himself, he gets a lot more exemptions now having won that. He'll get enough to, uh, he'll play enough golf in, in the next year or two in America anyway. Um, and he is so highly regarded now on the European tour that, man, does he need to bother? He's got choices though. That's a good thing, Dan. Thanks for the text. Uh, it is coming up to 10 o'clock. Uh, we'll be doing NFL um, after the break with MJ Hurley. NFL reporter and host of Third Down Thursday. News time now with Paraha. Find the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Time to talk some NFL, some uh, American football, and uh, this afternoon at New Zealand time, it's the Rams against the 49ers. Um, and uh, that is, of course, uh, Stafford up against uh, Garoppolo. Uh, very important clash, this, uh, particularly for the 49ers, who are just uh, struggling a wee bit to get some momentum into the early part of their season. But when that game is complete, that will be representative of uh, four, everyone playing four games. So it's time to uh, perhaps have an early report card on uh, this season's uh, NFL. And to do that, we couldn't go any better than to go to MJ Hurley, who is an NFL reporter and host of Third Down Thursday podcast as well. We've had MJ on the show. MJ on the show before, very popular. MJ, good morning to you, New Zealand time. Good morning. How are we guys? How are we doing, guys? We're going good. Uh, let's look back at uh, yesterday. It was uh, Sunday night football, and it was Brady's Bucks against uh, Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes. Uh, in the end, uh, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs getting up by ten. What did you make of that performance? That was one of the best games of the year, honestly. I At the beginning of the year, I do a, a little article looking at the game of the week for every week. Uh, that was one of my games of the week that I kind of circled on the schedule, you know, a few months ago. And it, it lived up to the hype. It was a Super Bowl rematch from Super Bowl 50. Um, the Chiefs came out swinging. Brady never disappoints. Um, and he, he came out and responded. Eventually, the Chiefs were able to close him out. Uh, but it was it was one of the high scoring games of the day. The Lions and Seahawks also went out there and scored over 70 points yesterday, which was fun to watch. 
Um, but I was actually on the on the beach yesterday in in Florida um, on a little vacation, and so I got to watch the Chiefs Bucks Super Bowl rematch on the beach. N- nothing's much better than that, sir. Nothing much better than that. I'm absolutely envious of you. I can tell you, MJ. <laughs> um, what about Tom? Uh, what about Tom Brady? Do you think there'll be periods in this particular season? Not so much yesterday, but he thinks, did I, did I, should I have, uh, you know, in terms of retirement? I, I don't think so. I think once a professional athlete commits to the season, he, Tom Brady has done this for a long time, and he's in there, he's playing. Um, as much as I enjoy hating on Tom Brady now and again, and as much as people like speculating about his personal life, all that jazz, I'm sure there may be something there. But at the end of the day, he committed to playing uh, for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I think for the most part, you know, people are human, right? So I'm sure a couple times throughout the year, he's going to be like, uh, this is a little rougher than I thought it might be with my superstar team. At the end of the day, Tom Brady is one of the most competitive people that American sports have ever seen. He really wants to win another championship. So I think 98, 99% of the time, that's going to be his focus you know, some doubts may creep in there. But at the end of the day, they still got a really good team, and he, once again, has a shot at a Super Bowl. And one of those uh, veteran quarterbacks that fits into the same bracket, of course, is Aaron Rodgers. Um, he's with uh, Green Bay, who had a an overtime victory over Belichick's uh, Patriots yesterday. I watched uh, the uh, concluding stages of that one as well. Rodgers has now thrown uh, over 500 career touchdowns. Uh, where does he sit for you in terms of all-time Aaron Rodgers? So this is something I get in a lot of trouble for around here, Ian. And um, here's the way I say it. I think that with my eyes of all the quarterbacks I've watched, Aaron Rodgers is the most talented quarterback I have ever seen. Tom Brady may be the greatest winner of any quarterback that we've ever seen. But I think, in my opinion, whatever that may be valued at, I think Aaron Rodgers is the most talented quarterback I've ever seen. Uh, Patrick Mahomes comes really close. I think if he can sustain it for another couple years, he does some very incredible things with the football. And you saw that on Sunday night football last night. Um, but Aaron Rodgers can make 60 yard throws off his back foot and make it look like he's barely even trying. And, you know, the ability he has to just flick a football that far seemingly with just his wrist or half of his arm power is incredible. So I think, Um, You know, he's had some struggles here early this season as a Packers fan myself. I've had some, uh, you know, some some issues with him. But at the end of the day, I still will go down on record saying he is the most talented thrower of a football I've ever seen. Okay, let's uh, look at some of the the other question marks uh, around uh, the first four rounds of this. Now, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles are four and oh. Um, what have you made for their start to the season? Did you read that? Um, no, I 100% did not. Like I said earlier, I do a a full season prediction at the beginning of the NFL year. Um, and I will, I will stand by the fact that I did not have the Eagles doing anywhere near this. Well, and a lot of that is because of Jalen Hurts, their quarterback. He's taken some incredible strides in the passing game. Everybody always knew he could run. Uh, but the ability he has shown to manage that offense, um, read defenses incredibly well, and just make some really impressive throws with his arm, nobody really saw that coming. Um, and then their defense, Ian, has been incredible. They've only allowed 71 points through four games, um, which is top 10 in the NFL. 
they have been making it very easy for Jalen Hurst and that offense to just be comfortable. They don't have to be stressed out. They're not trying to win shootouts here. Um, and they actually allowed 35 points in one game to the Lions. And so just in the other three games, they've been allowing about 11 and a half points per game. So that defense has been incredible. And the, the Cowboys and the Giants in their division are putting up a fight as well. And the Eagles just still, uh, with those other two teams at three and one, the Eagles still seem to be by far and away the best team in that division. Okay. I was going to ask you about the Cowboys. Um, you're not impressed, too impressed with the Cowboys? I, I am impressed with the Cowboys because anytime your starting quarterback goes down and you're three and one to begin the season, that's incredible. What Cooper Rush has done has been very impressive to keep that team above water. Uh, they're the top team in the NFL when it comes to getting to the quarterback, and then the top team in the NFL when it comes to not allowing their quarterback to be hit. Um, I just still, it's hard. I've seen the Cowboys start off so many seasons well and then crash and burn. It's just one of those mm -hmm. things for me where um, I'm sure you guys have it with, with some of your sports teams. There are just those teams, and the Cowboys are one of them, that for me, until I see them actually make the playoffs and actually make a run, in the back of my head, there's always doubt. I am impressed with what I've seen so far. Um, I think there have been some some young guys on that defense stepping up. But at the end of the day, um, the, the Cowboys coach, Mike McCarthy, also used to be in Green Bay uh, for a long time. So I've seen a lot of Mike McCarthy. I think he's a very good coach. He just was only able to do so much in the playoffs. So I don't know. There, there's just some doubt in the back of my head when it comes to the Cowboys. Uh, we go to the AFC West, where that's where the Chiefs are three and one at this point. Uh, I'm looking at the Broncos, and uh, they've got uh, some bad news, of course, with Javante Williams doing his uh, ACL and now out for the season. That's a massive blow, isn't it, for the Broncos and Russell Wilson? I I really think it is, and the biggest thing, Ian, is because uh, Melvin Gordon, the backup running back in Denver. Uh, if I have this number right, he's fumbled five times in his last 43 carries, in his last 43 rushing attempts, which is just atrocious for an NFL running back. And in the in the Broncos' last 12 games, he's had two of those fumbles uh, returned for a touchdown. So it's just a little bit of a question mark when you put the ball in his hands. Uh, Javante Williams was a huge part of that offense. Denver was really excited about him. Their new head coach, Nathaniel Hackett, who also used to be uh, the offensive coordinator in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers. Um, it just, it's been a little messy getting on the same page with Russell Wilson. Uh, they have just looked really iffy so far. Um, they're a very talented football team. They should be able to right the ship. But when you're playing in such a competitive division, everybody thought the AFC West would be the best division in football going into this year. And I think we're starting to realize that it's a little bit more. Uh, there, there are a lot of big hits that are going to go against these teams because of how competitive the AFC West and the AFC is. It's not going to be as easy as a lot of people think. And the Broncos are feeling a big uh, weight of that. Well, let's uh, take a look at the East then, uh, shall we, MJ? Because uh, obviously Bill Belichick is uh, it's not going to have a, a hell of a good season by the look of it. Uh, if we look at the top of that, where the Dolphins are three and one, and Buffalo are three and one as well. Is that a dogfight between those two, even at this stage? I really think it is. And again, nobody thought the Dolphins were going to be this good. Uh, but I want to give a huge shout out to their Miami's head coach, Mike McDaniel's. Um, I was actually able to talk to him and meet him a little bit um, at the NFL Combine 
in Indianapolis back in March. And from then, he is just, and this isn't a bad thing, he's just kind of an eccentric guy. Uh, he doesn't coach normally. He doesn't interact with media normally. He walks up and he starts asking questions. He's like, hey, hi, before anybody can ask questions, he says, hey, how are you guys doing today? Like, you know, hey, I, li I like your shirt. I like your shoes. He just kind of flips the interaction with the media on its head, and he does the same thing. There's a great story about when he was in Cleveland as a wide receiver coach. He would actually show the receivers uh, basketball highlights of Allen Iverson, an old shooting guard for the Philadelphia 76ers back in 2000. During his MVP season, Mike McDaniels would show wide receivers uh, his crossovers to say, okay, we're not going to run routes like normal NFL wide receivers. You're going to pretend you're doing a crossover with a basketball because defenders are used to seeing wide receiver moves. They're not used to seeing basketball moves. So McDaniels just does stuff like that, which confuses the entire league. I still think Buffalo is the, uh, the, the, the forerunner for winning the AFC and going to the Super Bowl. But anybody at this point sleeping on Miami, um, even with Tua Tungavailoa, who's out for a little while with a bit of a controversial head injury, um, they still have an incredibly dynamic offense, a defense who is very hungry and very young, and nobody should ignore them for sure. Right. Uh, well, it's a really interesting game today being uh, Monday night football over there. Uh, and that is in the NFC West, where uh, the 49ers have had a slow start. With uh, they're one and two after three, and uh, the Rams are two and one after three. Now this is a battle between uh, Stafford and uh, Garoppolo. Uh, how do you see this going? So, the Rams have struggled uh, for a long time against San Francisco. Really, since Sean McVay got there. Th whenever it comes to these two teams playing, all logic goes out the window, Ian, because. <laughs> Really, when you look at it, the Rams are a better football team. They have better offensive weapons. They have better defense across the board at every phase of the defense. Uh, the 49ers had to completely pivot their game plan because Trey Lance is out for the season now. So after committing to the, the young second-year quarterback and kind of saying, Jimmy G, you're, you're done with. We're not going to go towards you anymore. They're completely pivoting back towards Jimmy G as their starter once again. And he's bringing some calm familiarity to that locker room. Uh, but I think this is going to be a dogfight. Again, my logic says the Rams should win this football game, but I would not be surprised if the 49ers keep it a low scoring affair, run the football, um, and, and maybe a little bit of chaos gives San Francisco a win. MJ, you've got uh, your, your third down uh, Thursday podcast, um, which you have uh, over there as part of your weekly uh, analysis of uh, the NFL. I just wonder, when you look and when you watch uh, from your point of view, who's your favorite combo, commentary combo? Would it be Nance and, and Romo? Who, who would it be? Nance and Romo um, are my personal favorite when me and my wife watch football. They're absolutely my personal favorite. Um, I do, people hate on them. Uh, I do 90% of the time enjoy um, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. Um, but I, I would like to give a shout out to Greg Olson, who is a newer color commentator for Fox. I just think he does a really good job. Um, it may be from a tight ends perspective because that's what he played in the league, but he does, he is able to do a lot of what, uh, Tony Romo can do in terms of seeing plays ahead of time and all that. Uh, just finally, MJ, if I had to push you up against the wall and say, you give me the four teams, the last four teams in this year's NFL, 
Could you come up with four at this early stage? I'll, I'll give you the four, and I'm going to stick with it, Ian. The four that I picked at the beginning of the year are Packers-Eagles in the NFC and then uh, Bills-Kansas City Chiefs in the AFC. Those are the four I picked at the beginning of the year. I'm a man of my word, and I'll stick to my guns. And that's why we get you on, MJ, because you're a man of your word, and that's what we appreciate. Plus, you're a very knowledgeable man as well. So, hey, hey, thank you very much. Uh, I'm looking forward. I'm really looking forward to uh, the Rams and the 49ers this afternoon, as I am the rest of the season. But uh, early days, early days, and some promising signs around. And, uh, of course, as you say, uh, the, the Bucks and uh, Brady, you can n- never write them off. But Mahomes looked fantastic yesterday. He really did. Uh, MJ Hurley, uh, you're a legend. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you guys for having me on. Yeah, cheers. Uh, MJ Hurley, of course, NFL reporter and host of the third Thursday uh, Third Down podcast, which is fantastic uh, if you ever get to listen to that. If you do, you'll be much better informed about the NFL. It is uh, 10.18 here, and uh, we'll have a panel next. And I'm pleased to say that uh, Lavina Good is going to join us because we need to talk to her. Uh, so much league to talk about. Uh, and Aidan McLaughlin out of a very fine and sunny Havelock North this morning. 10.23 here on SENZ, and we've got Aidan McLaughlin and Lavina Good on the panel this morning. Uh, Aidan McLaughlin out of a fine, finally, Havelock North. Uh, Aidan, good morning to you. Uh, the Women's uh, Rugby World Cup is just a matter of days away. What are your expectations? Yeah, morning, Smithy, and morning to you, Lavina. Um, I'm, I'm starting to get really excited about it, actually. Um, it's, and I think it's just starting to build momentum as well in terms of uh, attention and eyes on it. Uh, I think the the crowd numbers for that first uh, set of fixtures at Eden Park on Saturday are building nicely. I think they're over 30,000 now, and um, hopefully there'll be some more sales over the next few days. Uh, and in terms of the Blackburn's chances, I'm feeling optimistic. Uh, they've come a long way in the last nine, ten months. Um, they were pretty low ebb when they were on that European tour at the end of last year, made some pretty uh, significant changes to both coaching staff and uh, playing personnel. So, so yeah, I'm feeling relatively optimistic, Smithy, and looking forward to it. Yeah, they've been tracking well. I think it's fair to say they've been tracking well, but uh, now cometh the hour, I think, because they're going to come up against sides that um, have uh, given them a, a bit of a lesson. Uh, of course, France and England, that's later on in the competition, but they open against Australia uh, this weekend, uh, Lavina Good at Eden Park, and it's uh, looking like maybe in excess of 35,000 people for the first uh, triple header of the Women's World Cup. Incredible. Incredible for women's sport. Such a statement to be made. Um, you can promote a sport as much as you want, but it's about getting bums on seats. And if the fans are willing to turn up and rewrite the history books for women's rugby, I just think that is absolutely outstanding. It will showcase some of the best women's rugby players in all of the world and the New Zealanders have an opportunity to prove that they are the best of the best and first up it's against Australia I know we're all talking about England and France and um, how difficult that's going to be but let's first of all I guess just get this first one out of the way and reward the fans for turning up I'm pumped about the tournament I know so many other people are as well I know people coming from all over the mutu all over the country to come and support uh, the Wahini in their finest form. So I just think it's going to be a fantastic tournament. And once again, New Zealand gets an opportunity to, to host it and show that we can have the best players in the world and we can hold tournaments that will make a difference globally. So I'm really, really pumped for it. 
Yeah, I am too, actually. Uh, I'm, I'm really uh, looking forward to it. I've got no personal involvement in it. I'm going to be sitting uh, as a fan. Uh, I spoke to uh, very briefly uh, to Wayne Smith after um, the performance against Japan, and he walked up the tunnel and said, man, I did not see that coming. I simply did not see that coming, and that was an absolute uh, hiding of Japan. So uh, the, the signs are good, but they're going to have to mix it up front at some stage, and that'll be, I think, where the question mark is. Uh, Lavina, can I stay yes, with you, please? I- yeah, yeah absolutely. Really, just, quick, just quickly, before we move on from Wayne Smith, I think I kind of gave a, a legitimate apology a few months ago. I had the opportunity to interview him shortly after he was selected as coach, and I was critical initially that they hadn't gone for maybe other options for people that were involved in rugby for a little bit longer, not a retiree that was hanging out in, in Waihee and Waihee Beach. And I talked to him about that and said, were you the right man for the job? And he said to me, honestly, he goes, I don't know if I was the right man for the job, but you have to ask ask the players that I'm representing and I went to every single one of those players that he's in charge of and they said culturally, emotionally uh, in terms of the physicality of the sport, he is 100% the right person for that job to take them to the next level and it's been tumultuous for that women's rugby team over the past 12 months, what happened in England and and the changing of the guard and, and dissension between players, but every single one of those players competing this weekend in this tournament told me that he is the right man for the job and he has an ability to read the game of rugby like no one else and to get the best rugby out of any player. And that might be an all-black or that might be a Chiefs player or that might actually be a female rugby player. So they've got they've certainly got the backing of the team when it comes to the coaching staff and it will be an interesting tournament to see how Wayne Smith holds up. But certainly I take my hat off to him and also to New Zealand Rugby for picking the right man for the job to take them all the way in the tournament. Yep, I, I think he he was a man for a crisis, and they certainly were at that point uh, when he was appointed. So it was crisis mode. It seems such a long time ago uh, because they've been smooth sailing pretty much ever since, Lavina. Uh, not quite so smooth sailing for your uh, beloved Eels the other night. They just couldn't get into it. Killing me. You're killing me. I've been in hibernation ever since. This is my first ever appearance since the grand final completed. I've just been in the dungeon with a box of hazy IPAs drowning my sorrows. Nah, only joking. Um, the thing is, Parramatta had an opportunity to, to beat the Penrith Panthers. All they needed to do was um, start on fire and stop the Panthers moving up the line. And the line speed from those Penrith Panthers in that first 40 minutes was phenomenal. It was beautiful to watch. It didn't matter which team you supported. It was rugby league in its finest form. A little disappointed that those Panthers players didn't put in that same performance in the third state of origin, which is exactly what they needed to do against Queensland, but they managed to do it on grand final night. And Parramatta were on the back foot from the go, uh, go forward, back foot from the very first kickoff. That line speed and defence from the Panthers was second to none. And it's all testament. You can't say to Ivan Cleary, but I remember when he left the Warriors and I had a chat to him after years of being at the Warriors. And I'm like, why are you going? And he goes, well, I want a three-year plan. I don't just want another one-year plan. And he'd been at the Warriors for four years. And I said, well... Where are you going to get that? And he said, I really like the development program that we've got at the Panthers at the moment. He said, I like what they're doing. They're keeping all their young players. They're making sure that they don't lose them. And unfortunately, we lose all of our young players at the Warriors to all the other NRL teams. And he said, that'll be a club of the future. I would like to have an affiliation with them. And as we go forward another eight years, he's been in three grand finals, won two premierships and is the father of what they say is the greatest rugby league footballer this year, playing in that number seven jersey. So hats off to the Panthers. They they had to earn it. They put in their best performance all year against the Parramatta Eels, and the Eels 
were absolutely shell-shocked. They couldn't do anything about it, Smitty. It unraveled before my eyes. Yeah, it did unravel. Um, you know, and a lot of people say it wasn't a classic NRL final, Aiden, because it was so one-sided. But if you look at the uh, top echelon of sport, the biggest occasions in sport, you want to see the game played well. Um, and okay, only one side were able to play well because they didn't let the other side compete in, in that regard. But I thought it was a terrific spectacle because if I was uh, if I was a fringe fan of rugby league and I wanted to know how it was played and see how it was played well, I got my lesson in the NRL final and I got it because uh, the Penrith Panthers were outstanding uh, for most of the year. They were. And as Lavina said, they, they also saved their best performance of the year until when it really, really mattered. So um, they had a great season. Um, but then the ability to be able to peak for the key match of the year is just, that's what great teams do, isn't it? You know, we, we talked earlier this year about uh, the Australian uh, women's cricket team. Wonderful team, play well all the time, but then when it comes to the business end, these are the teams that step forward and really, really show what they're made of. Uh, and I, I just thought it was, a, as you say, it wasn't uh, on the scoreboard, it certainly wasn't competitive, um, but it was, a, it was such a great performance by the Panthers um, that you just kind of sat there and thought, well... That's two. How far can this team take it? Yeah, I'm not quite sure. Um, but uh, you, if there's an early market, you'd be on them again for next year at this point. Uh, it is 10.31 here on SENZ. We'll take a short break for uh, a news, and then we will come back. There's much more league to talk about uh, because there's international squads being named left, right and centre at the moment, including ours and the Aussies. The panel. to me, Right, uh, Lavina Good and uh, Aidan McLaughlin uh, with us this morning. And uh, Lavina, Mel Meninga a little while ago was complaining about the fact that uh, too many of his possible players for his side uh, are playing for Pacific Nations countries in the World Cup. Uh, boo-hoo to you, Mel. And then you go and leave out Nico Hines, the Dally M winner, uh, Dylan Edwards, the Clive Churchill medal winner, and Damien Cook. You don't want them. So surely, Mel, you were talking some nonsense at that time. There's some good players playing for other countries. I know that. If you want to put some money on like Samoa or Fiji, there's certainly some players there in the NRL Grand Final and they can all feature and, and give you something to get excited about if you're a rugby league fan representing those specific countries. But yeah, I, I'm a little perplexed actually, uh, Aidan and Smitty, when it comes to uh, Meninga's choice um, and the inexperienced side. I get, I mean, I, I saw an interview with him yesterday and they were talking to him about Dylan Edwards, who's been remarkable in that full fullback uh, role for the Penrith Panthers and, and probably the best fullback in the competition. But the captain of the Australian side is Teddy Tedesco and he was also captain of the New South Wales side and he's the best fullback in the world. So there's a little bit of justification there. To leave Nico Hines out is really interesting. He wasn't just the halfback of the year for Dalian, he was the player of the year. So he was regarded from rugby league commentators and pundits from all over uh, Australia and New Zealand to be the best player in the competition, but he's not good enough to don a green and gold jersey for Mal Meninga. And I'm thinking, who does he have a backup? You know, who, who's going to be the backup for Nathan Cleary? Is it going to be Daly Cherry Evans or is he going to play the number six or will Munster play the number six? So there's not really a backup halfback unless he's thinking Ben Hunt can do the job, but I'm assuming he's the backup hooker. So there's some really interesting decisions that have been made that might come back to haunt Mal Meninga, especially when you take a look at the lineup from some of these other teams that are looking very, very strong 
when it comes to the World Cup. But Mal Meninga is a, a, a decisive man. He doesn't really go to a selection panel when it comes to a selection process. When they asked him to be Australian coach, he said, I want to have authority and autonomy over what side I pick. So it doesn't necessarily go to a selection panel. It comes down to who Mal loves and who he wants, and he's picked a side that he believes can move forward and try and defend that title from 2017. But it's a very inexperienced side, and it does lack some punch when you take a look at who is left out, who is included, and who's playing for other countries. Okay, uh, Aidan McLaughlin uh, is with us as well. Aidan, uh, of course, uh, the Rugby League World Cup is uh, on our doorstep as well. It's uh, in the UK, and we, we tend to focus so much on uh, the players that we know so well down under. Uh, but what about, um, is, it, is it possible that um, England could win it? Is it possible that um, a team basically out of the Super League could win the World Cup at home? It's possible, um, but I don't think they will. I think it will be between the Kangaroos and the Kiwis, to be honest with you. Um, the problem, for as long back as I can remember, uh, probably 30, 35 years now, is that the the Super League, um, it, it produces good players, but when it gets to that international elite level, they just fall a little bit short, and it's... Um, I don't really see anything up there at the moment that leads me to leave, leads me to believe that they're going to go that extra step and that they can actually just get past the kangaroos or the kiwis when it really comes down to the, a World Cup semi-final or final. Um, <laughs> they're just not quite there. And to me, when you look at the kangaroos in particular, Mel Meninga has an absolute embarrassment of riches there. Um, you know, to be able to leave out Hines, Edwards, Cook and say, look, guys, you're on standby. You know, I might need you. If there's some injuries, are you, you know, you're ready to go. Uh, that's, that's absolutely ridiculous. Um, there's 13 new names in that 24-man squad for the Kangaroos. Um, and they've only got five players left from the, the, the win in 2017. Um, and let's not forget as well that James Tedesco didn't actually play for Australia in the last World Cup. He played for Italy. Um, so it's amazing to think that the, the best fullback in the world is making his World Cup debut for the Kangaroos as captain now. But no, I, th- I think England a little bit short. Um, for me, I- I'd be putting all the, the, the chips on the Kangaroos right now. Yeah, you know, across uh, Lavina, across the board, when you look at the Pacific Island nations, Australia, whatever, um, and New Zealand in particular, um, only one warrior in the Kiwi squad and only four across uh, Tonga. Um, across uh, and the other nations. Uh, is that a true indication where you think the Warriors are at, a reflection of the Warriors as such? Yeah, it's been tough year for the Warriors, let's be honest. They're always just trying to get into to that top eight. I think with um, Andrew Webster coming over, who's the attacking coach for the Penrith Panthers, there'll be a, a new mindset. Hopefully they come with the theory that let's not just get into the top eight to reward the fans this year. Let's try and develop some uh, a policy in place where we can retain players from starting off at 16 years of age with the Roosters and, and Manly, and we can keep them in New Zealand, develop them, make them proud and make them want to don a Kiwis jersey and also play for the Warriors. And to do that, it's not about getting in the top eight. It's about a plan, a six-year plan like they did at the Panthers to, to be premiers in six years' time. So hopefully that mindset will take place and the Warriors fans will forgive them. They usually forgive them for just about anything, so it won't really be an issue if in five years' time... 
they're awarded uh, for a premiership. I, I'm a little, um, yeah, a little interested in Maguire's team as well. I noticed he left out Sean Johnson, and a lot of Sean Johnson fans would be arguing, well, why would you put Kieran Foran in? Instead, and I don't think Kieran Thorne's in the pinnacle of his rugby league career. I think he's definitely out the other end of that. But there's some really good firepower for that Kiwi side up front. Um, I did read that Nickel um, Cox that is coming back into the, the Kiwi side. He's been named by Maguire, so that'll be interesting for to see what role he'll play in that fullback role. But to have Nakora, Niakori, and Papali'i and Rapana. I mean, that's a really, really ominous forward pack, along with Tuffany and I think Wairia Hargraves has been asked to come back. There's some sensational firepower up front. And if there's any side, Aidan, I reckon, that's going to challenge um, this Australian side, it will definitely be be this Kiwi side because of the firepower that they have up front. And, and the fact that, you know, it is evident to us that so many of those players are representing other NRL clubs, what we need to try and do is get them all to either come back to New Zealand at the end of their career to let the next generation know it's worth playing for your country and worth playing for for the Warriors and make sure that there's some affiliation with the Warriors whatsoever. But when you look at that Kiwi side, they're looking really, really strong up front. And I reckon when you go player on player, Kiwis, Kangaroos, it's the forward pack from the Kiwis that would dominate Australia at this stage. Okay, we're going to talk to Bluey McLennan, of course. The Bluey McLennan, after 11 o'clock, with his views on the makeup of the Kiwi side. Might just change tack for a second or two. Um, the NBL is underway. The Breakers uh, just beaten in a fantastic, a classic uh, overtime match, but uh, couldn't get up o- over the door line, uh, over the, over the uh, doorstep as such. But uh, do we look at. Um, the NBL in the right light. Do we do we give it enough credit, Aidan McLaughlin? If you look at uh, a result the other day, for instance, the Adelaide 36ers beat the Phoenix Suns. Yeah, and they beat them. They beat them relatively comfortably in 134, 124. I mean, to put it into context, that's the first time that an NBL team has actually beaten an NBA team, and I think it's the first time an NBA team has lost to a non-ABA NBA team since. I think Luka Doncic was playing for Real Madrid about six years ago. So this isn't something that happens uh, every year, um, never mind every week. So uh, real credit to uh, the 36ers. Um, they've gone over there. Um, it, yes, it's pre-season for the Suns, but hey, that, that's just a great achievement. And the interesting thing now is that they go and play, uh, the, uh, the 36ers go and play Oklahoma City Thunder, uh, I think it's on Saturday, uh, our time. Um, so it'd be really interesting to see how they back up that performance. Um, do, we under, do we underrate the, the competition here? I, I don't think so. I mean, I think that surprises can happen in any sport. Um, I think it's only really when you see a sustained period of uh, this type of result that we can actually say, well, maybe there's a, a bit of a, a sea change here. But, but it's great exposure for the league. Um, and it, it's good timing as well. With the season just starting, it kind of gets a few people just to sit up in the seats a bit and just say, hey, let's just tune in and see, see what this league's got to offer. So really, really positive result for all concerned. Levine, if, if I appoint you chairperson or CEO of, say, the Bay of Plenty Rugby Union, just because it's on your, on your back doorstep, how are you going to get people to come and watch your team play? Because to me, I look at the NP, NPC and... I'm almost at their point saying I'm ashamed of the level of support it gets. It has been the lifeblood of New Zealand rugby. Provincial rugby has been the lifeblood, the feeder uh, for so many years. It still is, but it doesn't get any recognition anymore. I, I look at it and I think, 
you know, th- two weeks ago, Wellington get the shield. 3,000 people. We haven't had it since uh, for 11 years or something. 3,000 people. I watched Waikato play Bay of Plenty at the weekend with a classic encounter. I look across at that stand on the far side. Not a solitary soul in it. I don't get it. It's such a difficult time for rugby. I think with the rugby league finals um, on television and also the, the rugby test, I guess lots of people's interests were at an international or at a different code level. Now that that's over, you think that grassroots rugby would be generating a little bit more interest, especially in places like Tauranga where the Bay of Plenty might be playing or in Rotorua. But it's interesting, Smitty, we just had this conversation on the back of the NBL and I think that, that trajectory has been for 10 years on the improve and that, that was proven with you know, the seven NBA teams that represented at the Australian League's annual pre-season tournament, which was never the case 10 years ago. And I honestly believe the interest 10, 15 years ago used to be when you had a teenage kid and it was always a boy 15 years ago, they would play rugby and that's what they played. And now that's not the case anymore. And I think lots of um, young women are playing rugby now, that's for sure, but lots of teenage kids are looking to other sports. And on the back of Stephen Adams, there are thousands of children aged 8 to 16 that are now playing basketball and choosing to do that over rugby. And as a result of that, that grassroots rugby feeder is suffering with bums on seats because the kids aren't playing like they used to and they don't even know who's playing. They do know who's playing in the NBA and they do know who even is playing in their NBL team, but they don't know everyone that's playing at grassroots rugby. So if I'm, if I'm the um, CEO or general manager of Waikato uh, or Bay of Plenty Rugby, the first thing I would do is try and get those thumbs on seats by generating an interest in the players. So you're either going to have a player scandal, and we're far too good for that in the Bay of Plenty, there'll be no player scandal, or you need to make sure that these players are getting out to schools and seeing kids so that you know who they are, where they're from, and where they're going. Because if there's no affiliation with those players that are running out on the pitch, I guarantee your teenage kids are not going to nag you as a parent to go along and watch. And if you're not nagged as a parent to go along and watch, you'll just go to a basketball game, which is indoors with a hot dog, and watch that. So let's get some of these players into the schools and let's get some admiration from the future players of rugby that are still part of the game. Aidan McLaughlin and uh, Lavina Good have been with us this morning. Thanks very much, uh, folks, for being part of it. Incidentally, uh, Lavina, did you have a win or a loss this morning in sport? Yeah, my son, my son was playing in a national hockey tournament and it got down to the last 90 seconds where the opposition Auckland scored a goal. So we went down 1-0 in the national final. Poor old Toby. Toby Good and the under-16s tied on the team, eh? They won't be celebrating tonight. <laughs> oh, gosh, it just hasn't been a two- or three-day great patch for, the, for your household, has it? No, nah, they, wear, they wear blue and gold as well, mate. It's the colours, I think. And so my blood runs blue and gold. It's starting to haunt me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lavina, Lavina, Lavina! Thank you so much uh, for taking some 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 time out. Uh, and Aidan, of course, uh, catch up in the village shortly. Thank you very much uh, for your time, folks. Have uh, a terrific remainder of the week. It's ten forty-seven here on SENZ. He's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. 52 on SENZ, which means uh, it's time to pop across to the TAB and have a, a chat to our great mate, Brendan Popperwell. Uh, Pops, uh, what have we got tonight? Uh, Monday Night Football in America. 
We certainly do. Uh, Stockley, good morning to you. And, uh, yeah, Monday Night Football is a game where we see the Rams taking on the 49ers. And interesting with where things are sitting at the moment, the Rams are taking about 75% of the bets in the head-to-head market. But uh, we see them as the outsiders in this match with the favouritism around the 49ers, who are 178 against uh, last year's Super Bowl winners, the LA Rams at 205. Now, there is the prediction of some very high wins for this match and an expectation that this may be a running game. So we've seen uh, a lot of money around some particular player markets, which would be interesting for those that are looking just for a nice little single bet. Uh, Jeffrey Wilson uh, for the 49ers to run uh, over 53.5 rushing yards is 187. There's a high expectation he could blow that out of the water if it is to be a running game. And Jimmy G and Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, the quarterback for uh, the 49ers, under 19.5 completions. As I said, with the expectation this could be a running game, it might be a case of him just offloading the ball to a rush to someone like Wilson. A dollar eighty has been very well played on Jimmy Garoppolo to be under 19.5 passing completions. So yeah, that's a couple of uh, decent bets we've seen on the match. And an overall big bet... Uh, Cooper Cup, very well supported uh, in our boosted market here, Smithy. We've got a boosted market on Cooper Cup to be the first touchdown scorer. Sixes out to $7.50. Punters love getting around Cooper Cup because he knows his way to the line. So we've seen good market support for that. And our biggest bet on the Rams has been $1,400 on them head-to-head uh, at $1.97. And a little outrageous bet here, $500 on the halftime full-time double to be tie tie. At $71, someone with a lazy 500 just wants to turn it into a little bit more for their Tuesday morning. Pops, fantastic, mate. Thank you. I look forward to that game this afternoon. I have a vested interest in the 49ers. I hope they come good. Cheers for that, mate. Uh, Catch up shortly. It is uh, 10.54 here on SENZ. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. A couple of texts uh, just come in. Provincial rugby needs to get into schools and clubs. Five years ago, we would have had Canterbury and Crusaders attend trainings and run-through sessions for all clubs and tickets supplied to kids. Not uh, We're getting nothing unless you're a season tick holder and the kids uh, get one session on a Monday at 3 o'clock and start of the Super Rugby when they're still playing club cricket. Well done, New Zealand Cricket, who gave registered players tickets to this weekend's T20s and are running a player signing this week as well. That's how you get bums on seats. Chris, uh, that's from Joseph. Thanks, Joseph. Uh, Chris said, Ian, the far side stand is no longer used in Hamilton for NPC games. Everyone is in the new stand for all the ends. It's just more economical, Chris. Got enough people there, they'd use it. And that's my point. You've got enough people there, you wouldn't have empty stands. It's 11 o'clock. Bluey McLennan coming up, the ex-Kiwis coach, on his views and our chances in the upcoming World Cup. Behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Well, it's uh, 11.03 here on SENZ and it's time to talk seriously about uh, the Rugby League and, of course, uh, the World Cup possibilities for the Kiwis who were confirmed yesterday by Michael Maguire, their coach, and uh, on paper it looks a very, very powerful squad. And uh, to run his... uh, Opinion out of it. Uh, I think it's probably uh, apt that we get Bluey McLennan on uh, ex-Kiwis coach, of, of course himself coached the Kiwis for 22 games, but coached uh, extensively around the world in all sorts of leagues as well. So, uh, Bluey, uh, it's a big welcome to the show for you this morning. Uh, thanks for joining us. Oh, not a problem, Smithy. Thank you, mate. 
Hey, listen, before we get on to uh, the Kiwis, uh, I'd love your uh, assumption of, um, of what you thought of uh, Penrith and just how complete they were in that performance and just where you rate them in terms of overall NRL squads. Oh, become one of the great squads of, of all time, really, in the NRL. That was outstanding. They, you know, they, they were so dominant. Um, and, you know, they have been for three years now. Um, even the first one they made, grand final, they made and they lost to um, Melbourne Storm. There wasn't a lot in that. Um, Melbourne Storm jumped off to an early lead and Penrith still nearly run them down. And uh, last year was a bit uh, uh, tougher. But this year, that was, like you said, complete. That that was a, a, an outstanding performance. They were so dominant. Geez, uh, they were on a mission for sure. And uh, what, what, what a team. And... The scary, the scary part is, is they're actually a young squad. Uh, there's more to come. Um, it's scary for for all the opponents in the NRL. It certainly is. Uh, they, you know, I don't think any clubs ever. In fact, I know they have never won all four competitions, um, and and that is just a, a sign of things to come, as you say, Blurry. Right. Let's uh, get on to uh, this Kiwi squad that was uh, named yesterday, and. Uh, a lot of people uh, are regarding it and um, a lot of people across the Tasman are regarding this side as the favourites for the World Cup. Um, before we go individually into it, is, is that how you see them? Look, it's a real good squad. I, I wouldn't say favourites. Um, Australia w- would be the favourites um, and they always will be, such as uh, just how I saw Rugby League is set up on the eastern seaboard there are uh, but it's a it's a good Kiwi squad. But look, I think it's going to be an outstanding World Cup. I mean, Australia are going to be really good. Tonga, my God, uh, they are going to be outstanding over there too. But uh, love this Kiwi squad. I think um, I think uh, Maguire's nailed it. They've uh, you know they've got that you know I think they've picked the right players, and uh, yeah, it's going to be a very strong Kiwi squad over there in England. Right, let's, um, uh, on that basis, I, I would imagine then you don't really think there are too many players who are unlucky to miss out, or are they unlucky because there's just not room because of the quality? Uh, mostly because of the quality. Um, you know, I like, you know, I think the halves have, have picked themselves. I think um, uh, Dylan Brown has, has just progressed so well uh, there at Parramatta. Um, you know, it was very difficult for him in the grand final because uh, they weren't able to get any momentum uh, for him to jump off the back of. Jerome Hughes has been outstanding. He just keeps getting better and better. And they've got an experienced campaigner in Foran there who, you know, is very, plays very straight, uh, tough defensively. Um, but I expect Dylan Brown and Hughes to be the main halves. And, you know, they have the experience of Foran uh, to be in the squad there to help those two along, I think, you know, they're very solid in the halves. So Foran over Johnson, probably if you're looking at that experience bracket in the background, uh, Foran got the nod? Yes, 100%. I think they've got it right. I think I think up in those conditions in England where it's, uh, you know, it's going to be cold and slippery, you want that, you want somebody, uh, a half that's going to play really straight and, and be good defensively and, and, and have a you know, sort of that tough-minded mindset, and I think that's foreign. But 
you know, I think uh, Dylan Brown and, and, and Jerome Hughes are the, are the main starters anyway. Right. Uh, Jared Wairera Hargraves joins it for uh, just a bit of edge up front, and this will be his third World Cup. Yeah, that's a great achievement for, for Jared. Um, you know, he's the big dog at the Roosters, um, and he'll go along. But look, whether whether he gets into the main test matches or not, I, I really don't know. For me, um, Fisher Harris and, and uh, Moses Leota, uh, they're the starting front rowers. Easily, um, what what they did, Smithy, in the grand final was as dominant a props performances I've seen in any grand final. Um, you know, and they, you know, Regan Campbell, Gillard, and Junior Paulo are the Parramatta props. And they took it to them and 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 overpowered them. It was it was ferocious. Uh, you know, when you in any contact sport, if you can win in the middle, uh, it makes it so much easier for your halves to play and, and and for your edges, your outside backs to get in get in on the front foot and that's that's always provided in the middle of the park and Fisher Harris and Leota, geez, they were outstanding and you know, and then for the backup uh props, you know, I mean, you got um Jesse Bromitz, Sofa Solomona, who's really started to find his his form and aggression, um, you know. So I think the Kiwis are really well served in the middle of the park, and uh, um, you know, and have Jared over there on the third World Cup. That's an outstanding achievement. Um, he brings that tough edge as well. So, gee, there's, there's competition, you know, for the for the big boppers in the middle, and and over in those type of conditions in, in England, that's that's what you want. So who completes uh, the starting pack? Brandon Smith for you up front? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then the good thing about Brandon is is he's he's really solid and hard to tackle, um, and he's he's ferocious in defence. I think uh, it's nice to see Jeremy Marshall King over there. Um, you know, I, I don't think Brandon's going to be able to run out an 80, 80 minutes. Uh, he has, he's not really conditioned to that. Um, and you've got to think of the long course of the tournament as well. Um, so it gives Jeremy a, a good chance of the backup and play some minutes. So I'd imagine he'd be the 14. Um, but Brandon, when you know Brandon's, you know, he's hellfire, isn't he? He's, uh, you know, and he'll he'll complement that middle, you know. And I and in the middle uh, in league in the middle of the lock, um, the 13. Uh, makes makes up for make, he joins in with the props and and no doubt that'll be Joseph Tarpany, who's another player who's extremely hard to tackle. Um, so that's the strength of the Kiwis, Smithy. Is is you know there's a there's a ferociousness about the style of players. You know Fisher Harris and Leota just named and Brandon Smith's really rugged and he's throwing Tarpany and uh, who's hard to tackle and he's. You know he's really aggressive, and I think our Kiwi teams that have done well over the years, over the decades, uh, the, the the aggressive nature of them has underpinned their performance. And you know, whenever we have a Kiwi team that's out there really belting and 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 you know, or with discipline, like you've got to be ruthless, not reckless. Uh, but Kiwi teams that are the, those ruthless type Kiwi teams that maintain discipline, they're the teams that go well for us. 
Let's uh, look at uh, the X Factor that we're going to need because if these guys can set up that platform in the middle, we're going to have X Factor. You confident we've got X Factor out wide? Yeah, I, I am, particularly with Joseph Manu Smithy. Uh, he's another player that's really hard to tackle. Jeez, we should be playing Bull Rush over there. We'd win it easy. Um, but they, uh, you know, he's another, you know, outstanding uh, player that can, you know, jump around. I think. Peter Hiku will get one of the centre spots. He's got a lot of um, footwork, um, offload ability. Uh, Rapana, uh, one of the wingers, um, he's he's another player that's tall and really difficult to contain. Uh, Mulatalo will probably be one of the other ones. He'd be fighting it out with Watani Zalizniak. Um, you know, I think... That's going to, you know, they're, they're all players that are, are difficult to tackle. They're just going to have to get their defensive edge on. I think Chance Nicole Klockstad's a really good inclusion because he's, you know, he's an out, he's a fullback, but he can jump around and play a few different positions. So he's going to be, uh, you know, pretty pretty important on tour. Uh, so I think just going through it, they've, they've really, uh, you know, they've, they've, they've got a good squad. Their edges, their back rows, uh, Nakora, uh, Kenny Bromwich, Nakora, Papa Lee, you know, uh, both those players with the Parramatta played in the grand final. So, um, yeah, it's it's a very solid Kiwi squad. The, the thing is, though, Bluey, as you well know, as a coach that have had to bring squads together in perhaps a short period of time as well, you've got to get these uh, guys to play together as a unit um, and... Uh, that is the challenge that uh, Michael Maguire's got. Now, if we look at uh, their early pool play, they're unlikely to be very tested against Lebanon, Jamaica uh, and Ireland. So how does how does he go about getting them to the point where when it gets really serious on, on any given day, they are ready? Yeah, it's, the pools are, uh, are a bit weaker in the lead-up. So it's, it's, it's in your training. Um, and so hopefully they've got good training facilities because uh, this time of year up in England it's it's difficult to get good fields so hopefully they they've got all that sorted and I'm sure and I'm sure they have and with Maguire um, you know he's he's been at Wigan um, and and he's coached over there for two three seasons um, so he's got experience of that so I'm sure um, they'll have you know they'll have crossed the T's and dot their I's in terms of facilities and, and, and getting ready. With Kiwi teams, Smithy, and in general they um, you know, on average, generally they, they get better as tournaments go on. Um, so they'll get very close and uh, the Kiwi boys in general, they love being in camp. Um, you know, every time I was ever involved in a Kiwi team, whether assistant coach or coaching, I always uh you know, I always marvelled and, and, and just respected how much the players loved being with each other. And I imagine that was the same for you with your teams, mate. And, uh, you know, Kiwi boys, when they get together, they, they just, they just, uh, they've got the same, you know, it's the same culture. They have the same kind of humour. They just love being together. So I think that's one of the main reasons why they'll get, why they'll get better as the, as the tournament progresses. As you say, in your opinion, Australia are the favourites and the way I look at it too, if you're Mel Meninga and you can leave out the Dally M winner and Player of the Year in Nico Hines, 
You can leave out Dylan Edwards, who we saw how brilliant he was the other night, Clive Churchill medal winner, uh, Damien Cook and others. Uh, it's just a, a bit of foxing, isn't it? It's a bit of tongue-in-cheek stuff, that from Mel Meninga, surely. Uh, well, it, it, you know, you've highlighted it beautifully there. Uh, to be able to leave those players out, um, you know, that just speaks volumes of, of the strength of the Australian side. And it's been been that way, you know, for for, for decades. Uh, they'll, they'll always be the favourites, but you can beat them on the day. And uh, we've done that once before in 08. Um, England weren't too far away from them uh, in the last World Cup. Um, but, uh, you know, I, 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 they will be very, very difficult. But um, I reckon... On the uh, in the cold, uh, the dewy, slippery ground, um, it's going to be, it, you know, it's going to be pretty ferocious there in the middle, and that 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 gives us a chance. You know, we need to to make it a really physical contest. And the other team, Smithy, that comes right into it is is the Tongan team. Um, mm-hmm. Now they are powerful, uh, beautiful um, athletes, led by Jason Tomalolo, Christian Wolf, the the coach uh, of, of that team is, you know, if you look over the last four years, no team has progressed as much as Tonga. Um, and he's got experience. He's just coached his third grand final uh, win in a row over in England. Um, so they're going to be a handful too. And Samoa is going to be a better side. You know, they've got uh, a, a better team to pick from, but they're in the early, they'll be in the early stages of, of, of their rebuild. Uh, but Tonga, they are, you know, they they are a real genuine chance of winning a World Cup. On that side of the draw, then that makes it England, very interesting for England because if Samoa can galvanise earlier, uh, Tonga are there as well. Um, England yep. will be under a lot of pressure at home. They will be, Smithy, and um, I'll, I'll say it here now. I, I can't see them getting through. Um, I. I, I I can't see them getting on to win a World Cup. From what I've seen, uh, watching some of the Super League games, no, I, I, I'm not sure if Samoa will be ready uh, to to beat them just yet. Um, but Tonga, the Kiwis in Australia will, without a doubt. Uh, Bluey, I've uh, just got a text in actually. Um, one of our texters has come in and said, "I think four and will be in the fourteen. Uh, will be the fourteen. Would would you put on your match day fourteen? Would four and be in in that group?" Yeah, that's a yeah, that's a good text, and that's um, yeah, that's entirely feasible. It is. Uh, he could possibly play out of there. Um, you know, and that that'll be something that they'll look at through the pool rounds um, and and have a look and give. Jeremy um, a shot and and Kieran Foran, um, so yeah that that's um, yeah that's that's some, that's is an option that that would uh, would work. He's I think Maguire has played Foran out of dummy half once before, um, so uh, but he's not his best position is five eight. Uh, yeah, I, I myself I'd lean more. I'd give Jeremy Smith a good shot at it. I think Jeremy Smith's turning into a really good player. Uh, he's going to go up the Redcliffe Dolphins uh, next year with with Wayne Bennett, so he'll only get better. Um, and you know, I, th- I I think he's very underrated, uh, Jeremy Smith. He's been playing in a in a club that's been struggling, 
but he's always held his head up high, and I, I, I say he he will um, he'll progress really nicely over there. Uh, Bluey, just uh, one of the other idiosyncrasies, and you know this very well, being uh, an experienced coach up there, is the nature of British football grounds. You've talked about the fact uh, that they are slippery, it's going to be cold up there, etc., but they generally have narrow or dead ball line areas, so that, that the kicking game then becomes a, a massive priority, and that's where a guy like Nathan Cleary becomes such a valuable asset with that spiral kick he's got, etc., his accuracy of kicking. That will be a factor, I feel, in the World Cup. Yeah, kicking game's always really important and where you place your kicks. Uh, the end goals are very, very small. Um, generally, you're better for a cross kick than trying to grub it through and land it in the end goal. Uh, Nathan Cleary, well, he's in a fight out with uh, Daly Cherry Evans to, to um, be in the side, so which shows you the strength of the Australians. Um, but I think you know, the other thing to, to be aware of uh, in, in those conditions up there are the sidelines. Uh, you want to, you know, try and stay away from the sidelines where you can because it's easy to get caught and bundled over the sidelines. Uh, the crowds are really loud and and make it like that Coliseum-type atmosphere. Uh, that goes back to what I was... Kiwi team. Um, I think... Generally, over there in England, you get slower rucks. That leads to the, uh, you know, the aggression, uh, aggressive nature of, of the Kiwis being coming into it. So, you know, I'd under, I'd underpin everything with the old ruthless and rec- uh, being ruthless but not reckless mentality. I really would just, uh, even if you're kicking early, but really being physical and defence and, you know. Uh, Sort of that controlled viciousness, if you like. Uh, that that's going to be the key for the Kiwis. Exciting time for League Bluey. Uh, really is on the back of the NRL. I thought it was a great spectacle, but I cannot wait for this uh, Rugby League World Cup. I think it's going to be a real great opportunity for us in particular. So hey, thanks for your time reviewing that for us. I uh, hope you're well, and uh, we'll catch up shortly. Absolute pleasure, Smithy. Go the Kiwis. Good on you, boy. Good on you, Bluey McLennan. There, as always. Uh, Bleeds, bleeds for the Kiwis, absolutely fantastic. Uh, great to catch up with them there. It is uh, 11.22 here on SENZ. God, it is exciting when you look at that uh, Kiwi squad and you uh, look back at the closing stages of the NRL. I'm not just talking about the grand final, I'm talking about the playoff games and so many of the, those names featured in a starring role in uh, a lot of their clubs. It is such an exciting proposition to think that if uh, Michael Maguire can get them all going in the same direction with the same attitude that they bring from the NRL, what the possibilities might be in those um, pretty tough uh, England conditions. And Bluey's right, it, uh, there will be some rough old days throughout the course of a World Cup and it will be greasy, it'll be physical, it'll be hard, it'll be gnarly stuff. And uh, sometimes that's uh, what I worry about with uh, UK-based players um, who are just used to that on a daily basis also. And that's what they they thrive and they, they, they get... Um, their strength and their energy out of those gnarly, horrible, bitchy sort of conditions, I guess is the word I'm looking for, but it just gets uh, awkward, and that's where I think it becomes a great leveller. So, um, you know, the, the flamboyance of some of these wonderful players in dry conditions in Australia uh, is often nullified by that. But uh, that, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see uh, that side of it. Uh, text in to say, great to hear Bluey's inside on our World Cup squad. Had the pleasure of playing under him at the Hibiscus Coast Raiders. 
great coach, one of the goats. Well, in terms of um, attitude towards rugby league, to Rod, uh, towards, uh, of course, it's the McLennan dynasty, isn't it? With, with his dad, of, of course, that they, they came right through and what they've contributed to, to rugby league on this uh, side of the Tasman. Of course, Bluey, extensive coaching overseas as well with Leeds uh, too. So he's got a lot of experience in those conditions. But uh, easy uh, when you look at uh, some of our uh, older statesmen, the older statesmen in rugby league, uh, you pick up the phone and say, who should we have today? You look at the likes of uh, Bluey McLennan. Um, you look at uh, Frank Endicott. You, you look at uh, Graham Lowe. You look at those guys and you think, wow, now there's a voice of authority and uh, we are spoilt for choice, as you say. Uh, in terms of picking up the phone, you can do that now at uh, 0800 150 811 because we've come to the point where we're going to stump Smithy. We'll put 50 bucks uh, up for grabs. Um, you'll be talking to Brian when you get through and then uh, Ricardo Ball will be the quiz master this morning and uh, you will have the opportunity to uh, get a little bit of uh, hay into your uh, TAB phone account. 0800 150 811, time to stump Smithy. In the meantime, here's Araha with the 11.30 update. Match here, stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. 29 away from uh, midday here on Mornings with Ian Smith. And Smithy, yeah, you ready to you ready to go, mate? You've been doing the mental gymnastics all morning? Yeah, I just did some calisthenics. You might have seen it on camera, actually. I, I did I see like that, yeah. Nice, loose and fit, fitty, uh, ready for this confrontation. I'm also ready to win one, I can tell you that. Um, Ricardo, I've got no idea of uh, the categories that you've picked out for today. Uh, who's our first uh, candidate on the line? Uh, we've got Mike from uh, Manawatu. G'day, Mike, how are you? Morning, gentlemen. I am good. Smithy sounds pretty pumped. Yeah, well, Mike, um, I've got to say, you, you do a win for something down there in Manawatu. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think we just did a few records, didn't we? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my god oh. Tough, tough season tough season for those of us who can remember the the halcyon days um it's a little bit tough to take uh, staffy i know is one that bleeds man or two uh blood and uh, he's yeah. suffering a wee bit but they'll bounce back they'll bounce back these things uh, come in cycles and they'll be back all right you ready oh, you gotta go down to come up you do you do that uh mikey are you, are you ready for the central vikings derby here on stump with smithy then <laughs> Oh, the Central Vikings. Oh, yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, do you want to go golf? Do you want to go cricket? Or do you want to go NFL? Uh, golf. Golf it is. All right, Smithy, yeah. uh, here we go. This is um, this is going to be interesting to see how you get on here because golf is one of Smithy's strong suits. First question. Which course hosted this year's President's Cup? Would be. Uh, Don't uh, give us an answer, mate. Kill Kill One of the worst things I have yeah. ever seen done on a cricket field. Smithy, can you stump him? Yeah, I can. Uh, I watched it. I watched every second shot that I could damn well watch, actually. Uh, it was Quail Hollow. Quail Hollow. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. Nicely done, Smithy. Sorry, sorry, Mike. You'll have to, you'll have to go again. Manawatu lose another one to the Hawks Bay. <laughs> no <laughs> way. <laughs> Who we got up next, Brian? Uh, this is Jared from Christchurch. Jared from Christchurch. G'day, Jared. Yeah, good how, morning, are you, Alex, how are you, mate? How are you? Thank you. How are you? How are you going? The 
How do you go in the golf, man? Uh, not too bad. Um, it's going to be tough, but as long as it's not too far back, I might be okay. Well, this, this okay, sec- right. the second question isn't too far back, mate. Cameron Smith won the most recent Live Golf event in Chicago. How much were his earnings in US dollars for that victory? To the nearest what, Ricardo? Uh, to the nearest million. Uh, I think it's four million they win, isn't it? Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. Yeah, four million. He finished 13 under par. So well done. You're on the right track, Jared. You've got one more. You get this $50 from the TAB. Could be yours. At the end of the 2021 season, Phil Mickelson was 33rd in the world golf rankings. What is Lefty's current ranking? Oh, God. Jesus. Um, He's had a bad run of form. Um, Only got 104. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Well, I think one of the worst things is probably harsh, and it's probably harsh, but uh, Smithy, can you stump him? Can you stump Jared? No, oh, look, it's a, just a, uh, honestly, it's just a, a throw a dart at the number, actually, and um, I'm going to come up with, I, I'm not even sure he's that high anymore. Uh, I thought he'd slip down a lot further. Uh, I thought he was down in the, like, the 200s. So I, I'm going to go 187th. Just for the one of the it. worst things... I have ever seen done on a you, you lads were either side 132 in the world is where Lefty sits now. Oh God! Wow. So okay. Oh well, Drop it's good news for bad news for bad news for Phil because I suppose he's running out of money at this point. <laughs> uh, really, really, stay away from Vegas. Really good. No, really good news for Jared though. Really good news for Jared because uh, Jared, yes, you are a winner this morning uh, on the basis that. We weren't able to be correct, but that's just fine. That's just fine. Uh, Canterbury win the NPC, you think? I hope so. I hope so. It'd be good to have the log of wood back too at some stage. It's been a while. Would you go uh, if they had the Ramfilly Shield? Would you go to watch? Yep. Would you go? You mean, would yeah, it make you want to go? Yeah, absolutely. I think so. Yeah. I think it's just the history behind it, and yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, getting us a stadium will, will be will be a plus. Um, I think that that holds a lot of people back. Ah, oh, well, you can hold on for another six years till you get it then. <laughs> oh, <that'd be> <laughs> well, as long as the Crusaders keep making the final, mate, we'll, we'll all turn up. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure you will, Jared. Okay. Uh, I just uh, hope that uh, Canterbury Rugby gets its due support as well because at the end of the day, yeah, that's yeah, where it all sure. comes from. Club Rugby and then yeah, Canterbury fine, through to the Crusaders, that's where the production line starts. So, uh, let's hope so. Hey, anyway, Jared, just stay, uh, stay with Brian for a second or two just to confirm your, your uh, details. I'll get that money to you as soon as possible, mate. Well done. Congratulations. Thanks, Smithy. Cheers, mate. There you Cheers, go. Uh, have a good day. Okay, right, yeah, Ricardo. So, um, but did you set those questions? No, I've, I don't know who wrote the golf questions. Oh, Logan. Logan wrote the golf questions. So there you go. How, I mean, how am I supposed to know? How's anyone supposed to know? We're, I know Ryan Fox is 25 because it's in the news, mm. but they don't, you know, you've got to dig deep, and I haven't got time to do that kind of stuff. We're gonna, we, we need to have a bit of a, an AGM about some of these questions. All right. A, a special unauthorised AGM just to sit around and say, we've got, these questions have got to be answerable. 
answerable. Answerable. To get my drift. Yeah. Pe- too many people win by me not knowing, and, or them not knowing. Yeah. Um, I've got to put this to the board. Okay. And in, in, in the in the meantime, we'll um, we'll take a break. We got a couple of texts here. Uh, hi, Smithy. What has happened to Danny Lee? Look, John. I don't know. He'll either be injured, or not in the mood. Um, or just maybe he's on holiday and not prepared to start his campaign just yet. But I would have, would have thought, well, uh, the early weeks of the PGA, if you're a fringe player like Danny Lee always seems to be, uh, getting in early and striking while the iron is hot, in other words, while some of the great players uh, are not back in the field uh, because they're taking a breather themselves, I would have thought it would be a bad time to play. But he may well be injured. He does get injured a lot. Uh, Goose says the only annoying thing about the League World Cup is it's on Spark Sport. I only just realised that, uh, Goose. Um, I, I've got to say, I had, I had no idea about that. Um, well, um, good luck to Spark. Uh, I think it's fair to say they, they're in the marketplace. It is a competitive marketplace now. They're spending the money to get some sport. Um, and uh, if they're prepared to outbid Sky, who are the uh, obvious other um, <coughs> person in the race or team in the race, then obviously, um, you know, they're going to win more sport as time goes on. It's all about the dollar, um, and we've seen from the cricket or whatever, it doesn't matter really about the coverage area or whatever. It's the fact that you're looking to shore up, uh, looking to shore up uh, the financial side of things. They would have done this deal with World Rugby League, uh, who would have had the rights uh, at their disposal to sell. Uh, it wouldn't even be New Zealand Rugby League or anyone domestically. They would have gone to the World Rugby League board and sorted that through. So... Uh, Goose, I'm with you. Uh, probably um, won't be watching it. Um, and I hope that there's a free-to-air component in it because it would be very, very annoying if it came to the final um, and uh, every Kiwi didn't have access to it or more than uh, a number of Kiwis didn't have access to it. Right, a bit of waffle there. Uh, that'll continue too in the next uh, 10 minutes or so because um, my good friend Ricardo and I have... Uh, We've dredged up one from the past. I think we've done it uh, about a year and a half ago. We did um, a Mount Rushmore on uh, our favourite rugby league players. But because uh, of the NRL and because uh, the rugby league's in the news at the moment with the World Cup round the corner and the naming of the Kiwi side, uh, we're going to have uh, another crack at Mount Rushmore. So uh, that's coming up next. On SENZ. <laughs> Right, it's uh, 11.46 here on SENZ uh, and for the next few minutes we're going to delve into the past with our Mount Rushmore which today is our uh, favourite our favourite Kiwis, not necessarily the greatest of all time but uh, favourites in, in my regard anyway. My number four is um, a, a great bloke, a terrific bloke, he was a terrific Kiwi, terrific rugby league player around the world um, and this is him scoring a try for his beloved Castleford when he was playing in the Super League. What a character. Long ball, Kem, Nikar, must be somebody here. That ball, go for it, Ricci. To Nikar, yeah, score! Berserkers! Both boys on board! Does it score! Magnificent try! Just what we wanted! I don't know about you, Smithy, but Brian got those highlights for us, but at first I thought, is this in English? <laughs> <laughs> I think he only ran about three yards to score that try. <laughs> You'd think he just ran from around the world. No, it's honestly. But that was uh, Tawera Nico, of course. Um, terrific bloke. What a life story he has had of tragedy and success. 
uh, and being uh, the great Kiwi battler, if there is ever one, it's um, um, so he was easy pick for me in my top four. Yeah, I've I've gone yeah some battlers as well. Probably this bloke, some of the I've put in purely for the battle. Uh, probably wasn't uh, the greatest rugby league player, but I remember as a kid watching Kevin Tarmody absolutely tear up the Australian front row on uh, three occasions, back to back to back. And on the third time, the Aussies decided to put Greg Dowling in to teach him a lesson. And we all know how that went. There's a great punch up on the far side. There's lefts and rights going as the play. The ball is carried on in the middle of the paddock. Kevin Tarmody being sent to the sin bin. Can't quite see uh, Kevin Tarmody and Greg Dowling both in the sin bin. She's on again. Well, it was always going to be on between these two. That was that, that was a great moment in rugby league. I mean, I know there wasn't a ball involved, Smithy, but boy, it fired up both sides of the Tasman, didn't it? Yeah, Greg Dowling, eh? Big Aussie plonker. Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, imagine if uh, Lonigan was doing Fight for Life or way back then and getting that one on. Oh, 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 oh. how good that would have been. Uh, right, okay, yeah, Kevin Tamati. What a, what a man. Um, right, my next one... Um, is uh, one of the, the greatest uh, Kiwis of all time. In fact, he was uh, labelled he was labelled the best rugby league player produced between 1906 and 2007, or uh, close to those dates anyway. Um, you know, just just uh, uh, an absolute tree, a tree. Uh, what do they say? Uh, you know, uh, one of those kauris, those great kauri trees of league. Uh, and that, of course, is uh, Mark Graham. Mark Graham for me. Easily slots into my top four and probably uh, in a lot of people's number one. Yeah, Mark Graham was such. I, re- I remember as a kid being absolutely wowed, and I think it was the Herald at the time that did, uh, did a picture in the Herald uh, towards the end of Mark Graham's career where they had like a, a picture of him and then they had arrows pointing to all the bits of his body that he had broken over the time. Mm. And, you know, and all the, you know, he had broken so many bones in his body. I mean, obviously he didn't drink enough milk as a kid or something, Smithy, but he was hard, man, because he played through so many of them. Okay. I, I totally, look, honestly, being my team, wouldn't you like to be in the trenches with Mark Graham? Oh, my mate, God. He'd, he'd okay. Up, wouldn't he? <laughs> Ricardo, next for you. Uh, well, as a bloke who, you know, I think... Is he didn't win as much as he deserved to win in his career for, for club or country, but he was always a, a champion bloke, and he was at the heart of everything the Kiwis did for a long time. And when he said goodbye to the game, I think uh, there was a lot of people who who thought, "How are we ever going to replace this bloke?" And that's the man they call the little general. Well, Stacey Jones is definitely, definitely, hundred percent retiring at the end of this match tonight and he's going to uh, actually make sure he does because the boots that he's now unlacing are going to be taken to the middle of the pitch where a member of the RAF team who played the uh, Kiwi counterpart in the curtain raiser to this match will be waiting for him with a, a ceremonial cushion and the boots will be placed on them and that will be the end of it as far as Stacey Jones is concerned. Wow, that's special. Yeah, the retirement of Stacey Jones. Wow, absolutely special. Oh, the little general goes, on, goes without saying. Um, here's the thing. Here is the thing. Um, my number two, mm. not necessarily in, in this order, but uh, uh, is a, fo- a bloke I actually, who introduced me to uh, some serious carver drinking, actually. I did an interview with him. 
um, it focused in on. He took me to um, the marketplaces in Otara. Uh, we did all sorts of uh, stuff for a couple of days, and I got to know him pretty well, and I thought to myself, you know, I know why people think you are one of the great role models and one of the great blokes of rugby league and one of the great Kiwis. Um, and that is Ruben Wiki. It was so easy to discover in such a short space of time. Ruben Wiki for me. Holy jolly, Ruben Wiki has just hammered, absolutely hammered, poor old Soliola. He is in Disneyland. There is some concern, as you would well imagine, after that. I mentioned the last couple of times that Ruben has run the football, that running at Soliola is not good for your health. Well, he's proved me wrong. Soliola or come out of this one wrong. Absolute beast of a man, whether he's playing centre or props, mother, you wouldn't want to get in the way of that. No, absolutely, you you would not. Um, Ruben Wiki, wow, what an experience that was. I, I raved about it for a long time. It's the, we'll never forget it. It was great. Okay, um, you've got uh, one to go, uh, two to go. Yeah, well, we've got the same one that we're going to finish on, Smithy. Before we get there, I think Stephen Kearney needs a mention for me uh, in my top four ever. He's such a servant for New Zealand Rugby League. Captain at just 21, the youngest Kiwis captain ever, uh, and just put himself through so much for the Kiwis jersey. So I, I, I thought Kearney, for me, definitely deserved a mention. He was a bloke that uh, soldiered through New Zealand Rugby League for so long and did so much for the team. Um, so I, th- I thought he definitely deserved a mention in my top four. Okay, so, um, and last of all, we've got the same one. We do. Easy. Easy peasy. Easy. Yeah, it was an easy one, wasn't it? It was an absolutely easy one. Tried to come back in, uh, to New Zealand, play a bit of uh, rugby union. Didn't quite work out. Uh, glad that he went back and finished off his rugby career in style and, of course, uh, has uh, a lot more to come now in the coaching department. Pretty easy, uh, Ricardo. Benji Marshall, eh? For the New Zealanders, played by Jeremy Smith. Now for Benji Marshall. Slater urgently across the ground, hangs out his right hand. Going into touch, throws a pass recklessly. Oh! New Zealand try, Marshall scores. Okay, Slater speculator. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.